We are confident in the Lord Jesus that he who hath begun a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, these are the words with which St. Paul begins his epistle today to the Philippians. This letter was written by St. Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome, probably around 62 AD, to the Christian community that he had established at Philippi in Macedonia. St. Paul thought that his execution was imminent, yet he held out hope of seeing his beloved Philippians again. However, because of the slightness of that possibility, he prepared himself and his readers for his death, first by assuring them of his prayers, and then of assuring them of his confidence in their progression in grace and charity. We are confident, he wrote, the first words of the epistle, in the Lord Jesus, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. St. Paul here gives us, in a single phrase, a whole summary of an important division of the church's teaching on grace. He feeds us the solid meat of supernatural doctrine, and we need to sharpen the knives of our intellect and the teeth of our faith in order to chew on this supernatural meat through our meditation so that we might be nourished by this holy food. What then does Holy Mother Church teach us about grace? What is grace? Our English word grace comes from the Latin gratis, meaning free, freely given, without any due or obligation on the part of justice. It is a gift. In this sense, St. Teresa, the child of Jesus, described it perfectly with her saying, Tutte gas, everything is grace. Yes, everything is grace. For what do we have, in the words of St. Paul, that we have not received? Our very existence, our body, our soul, our faculties, our powers, our abilities, our qualities, our possessions, we have all received. Certainly, we should, and we have cultivated them and caused them to flourish by our efforts, but the fact remains that we received all that we originally have from others and ultimately, of course, from God. In this sense, everything is grace. But in a more restricted sense, grace refers to a supernatural quality or state as compared to a natural quality or state. A supernatural quality or state is something that exceeds the natural capacities of creatures because it is of an entirely different order than the creature's natural state. For example, by nature, that is by using his natural capacities, man can accomplish naturally good actions like protecting his family and dying in defense of his country. Yet we know through revelation that God has called man to eternal happiness in heaven with him. And this happiness, the vision of God, far exceeds man's natural capacity. God is all good, though, and he does not offer us this goal without giving us the means of achieving it. These means are the supernatural help of his grace. Grace is a participation in the intimate life and action of God, and thus it is a divine quality. It is not contrary to nature, but rather, as St. Thomas Aquinas, our patron, teaches us, it presupposes, it builds on, and it perfects our nature and raises it to a level of being that is in a certain way unimaginable because of its beauty and its dignity. Unless God raised man up to this dignity, man could have never presumed to take it upon himself. There are many different, different divisions of grace, And these divisions help us to understand the variety of ways that God works in our lives. Grace can be divided into external and internal graces. An external grace is any benevolent deed of God for the salvation of man 
which remains outside of him and affects his actions in a moral, that is to say, an indirect way. For example, Revelation, all of Revelation, Christ's teaching and examples, which we read in the sacred scripture, sermons that are given to us, the liturgy, the sacraments, and the example of the saints. An internal grace acts directly on the soul and its powers. For example, sanctifying grace, the infused virtues, actual grace. External grace prepares and disposes us for the reception of internal graces. The next important division of grace is that of graces conferred on particular persons for the salvation of others, and those conferred on all men for their personal sanctification. The first are those also known as the charisms, such as the gift of prophecy, miracles, and speaking in tongues, the priestly power of consecration, and the hierarchical power of jurisdiction that the bishops and the supreme pontiff possess. These gifts do not of themselves make the person supernaturally pleasing to God, but are given for the sanctification of others. The power that the priest has is not given for himself, but for the sanctification of the souls. And the same uh, goes for the supreme pontiff and the bishops. The power that they have is not for themselves, although they uh, obtain graces by worthily exercising that, those powers, but it is for the sake of the flock entrusted to them. The grace given for the personal sanctification of he who receives it is much more important, for it makes the person who receives it, receives it pleasing to God, either because it is a sanctifying or actual grace which makes one actually pleasing to God, or it prepares him for receiving that grace. The first type of grace, the prophecy, the miracles, exists for the second type, sanctifying grace. That is important, to, very important to remember. The saints were not holy simply because they worked miracles. They worked miracles because of the grace and holiness that they already possessed. Although, of course, those miracles being worked were not necessary to their sanctity. Another essential division of grace for us to contemplate today is that of habitual or sanctifying grace and actual grace. Sanctifying grace is a constant supernatural quality of the soul which sanctifies man intrinsically, that is in the very essence of his soul, and makes him just and pleasing to God. This grace is the adornment of the soul, and the beauty of a soul in the state of sanctifying grace has ravished many mystics because it is the beauty of God himself. This is something for us to consider and to remember. If we stand in awe before a beautiful landscape, a sunset, a temple of God, a beautiful building, and rightly so, how much more should we admire the beauty of a soul that possesses sanctifying grace and shun all that can lead us to losing this treasure? We need to see things, dear faithful, not through the eyes of our body, but through the eyes of our soul, through the eyes of faith. A soul in sanctifying grace is more beautiful than anything else in the world. Actual grace is a temporary supernatural intervention by God by which the powers of our soul are stirred up to perform some salutary act which is directed to the attaining or preservation or increase of sanctifying grace. Actual grace, then, is a necessary means of preserving and growing in sanctifying grace and is obtained primarily in frequent recourse to the holy sacraments by prayer and by the practice of virtues and mortification. Actual grace can be divided into antecedent or prevenient grace and subsequent grace. Antequent, antecedent, excuse me, and subsequent. Antecedent grace precedes and affects a deliberate act of the will, inciting it to accomplish a good act, and subsequent grace accompanies and supports that deliberate act. We cannot do good without God first inspiring us to it, 
And we cannot continue in good without God preserving us in the accomplishment of that act through his subsequent grace. This is the distinction that St. Paul is talking about in today's epistle when he says, We are confident in the Lord Jesus that he who hath begun a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's begun a good work in you, antecedent grace, and will perfect it unto the day of of Christ Jesus, subsequent grace. St. Augustine, known as the doctor of grace for his brilliant and profound defense and exposition of the doctrine of grace, helps us to understand this distinction when he talks about grace that is in nobis sine nobis, he says in Latin, in us without us. In other words, present as a gift from God before we have done anything to deserve it, to cooperate with it. And then he talks about grace that is in nobis nobiscum, or in us with us. That is to say, grace that we have received with and then we have actively then cooperated with it. We owe everything we have and everything we are to God who has given us this first grace without our even seeking it. We cannot merit that first grace. It is a gift from God. He who has begun this good work of sanctification in our souls, and we trust that he will bring it to perfection in our Lord. But to do so, he seeks our cooperation, for God will not force our will. Let us ask then our Lady Mediatrix of all graces to help us to cooperate generously, to not refuse this grace for fear that he withdraw it, for it is free and he does not owe it to us. Let us instead seek to to daily grow in this divine gift that is offered to us, his holy sanctifying grace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.